Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Hey, welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening for another hour. And uh, phone lines are open the entire hour. So uh, obviously we would like to hear from you. But I, I want to go to Matt Pajeski, board operator extraordinaire here, because we were talking uh, during the break. And uh, what are your thoughts on this Tesla car situation? I have to agree with Jerry. I think once you step in that car, especially a car that you know is that is, is self-driving, I feel like you need to be attentive mm-hmm. to everything, almost as if you're driving. I mean, it's it's not cruise control. It's beyond that, we know. But I don't think you can just nod off or, or not pay attention at all while this car is driving itself. I think you need to be at flat full attention in a self-driving car. Right. So, But if the if the facts were... Uh, if the facts were this, that, and and I don't know what the exact facts are in this case because it hasn't the the trial hasn't gone far enough where we know the facts yet. But if the driver was sitting there, not asleep, paying attention, seeing a red light, assumes that the Tesla is going to stop at the red light, the Tesla doesn't. He goes through the red light by the and by the time he could hit the brakes, he hits the other car and kills somebody. Is that negligence sufficient in your mind to send a guy to prison? It could. I, it I, could. I feel like you should know how a car is supposed to feel when you're approaching a red light. You know, like when you're pressing on that brake at the last minute, you know, mm-hmm. that's what this guy would have had to have done to avoid a crash. You, I mean, you're pressing that brake well in advance when you're approaching a red light. You shouldn't be expecting that thing to kick in at the last second like this guy did, apparently. Got it. Okay. Well, and that's why, but you see why this is such an interesting issue here, because regardless of how you uh, see this, and I don't even know if I have got this worked out yet in my head, but uh, but I keep coming back to, well, yeah, he was negligent, and so you sue him. But I don't know that he goes to prison, because if you're negligent in any other situation, uh, you're generally, you're not sent to prison for it. If you fall asleep, now that doesn't include like drunk driving, of course, but if you fall asleep and are in an accident, uh, there's negligence involved, but typically only civil liability, not criminal. So that's where this is different. Okay. And you'd have to look at the situation that says, well, let's say, uh, to put it into a fact pattern that is something that we've dealt with, 
if you're if you're knowingly driving too long and you fall asleep at the wheel and you kill somebody at that point you can be held criminally responsible for negligence you should have known that you were sleepy you failed to pull over to get some sleep and therefore you're criminally responsible if you cross the center line and hit someone head on and kill them do you see this as being similar to that situation where someone is negligent to the point that they can be held criminally responsible. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. That a, works. A question for you. Does does whatever happens to the person on the other end, does that change how, how like, whether it's civil or criminal? Like, if the person lives or dies, does that affect whether it's civil or criminal? That's a great question. Uh, the, the two are always going to be linked because the, depending on what happens to the victim— is going to determine not only the damages in a civil case, but also the charges in a criminal case. So like in this case with with uh, Johnny Tesla, I'm just going to call him that. <laughs> I don't know his name, but Johnny Tesla. All cool right. Name. In that situation, it would be a cool name, wouldn't it? Hi, hey, I'm Johnny Tesla. Uh, but in this situation, because that person died that the Tesla ran into, he's being charged with manslaughter. Yeah. Obviously, if that person didn't die... They couldn't charge him with manslaughter, but they could charge him with, um, you know, uh, reckless endangerment mm-hmm. or uh, some other charge other than manslaughter. Manslaughter means that the person died as a result of extreme negligence. So the the victim's fate determines how the defendant was charged criminally. Yep, and it's also going to determine uh, what the damages are because I can guarantee you there's going to be a civil lawsuit. And the civil lawsuit is going to be both against the defendant and Tesla. So then the question becomes, should Tesla or any other car manufacturer, because every car manufacturer in America now is rushing to put in uh, artificial intelligence in their automobiles. They're rushing to do this. And so should those companies be held civilly liable when this kind of thing happens even if it's the negligence of the guy who's sitting behind the wheel, now the question becomes, should Elon Musk have to pay because Johnny Tesla wasn't paying attention? Elon Musk could afford to pay. Ah, well, yeah. I don't know. He just paid $44 billion for uh, Twitter, and yeah. he may lose his shirt but on no, that. I don't. I don't think he's responsible. No. Not Elon Musk, I don't think, is responsible. Right. So I, I love these. These are the kind of things that make great law school exams. Yeah. And in my, my first year of law school, I didn't do very, my first semester, I did very badly because I thought there's got to be a right answer. And in law school, they don't want you to think about a right answer. Pick a side or argue both sides. It doesn't matter. And so my second semester, I got straight A's. But my first semester, I did very badly because I was thinking like math, two plus two is four. And every question has a correct answer. Eh, that's that's not what law school is about. But this is like a law school test because you can take either side of the argument and come to a logical, reasonable conclusion. And someone else can take the exact opposite side and still have a logical, reasonable conclusion. That's why this stuff is interesting. When we come back, though, what's also interesting is, and I'm going to raise this with you, Matt, when we come back, you know, the latest trend in restaurants and you've seen this, I've seen this, we've all seen this, where you go and you check out on places that you you never would have tipped before, but then they flip that screen over and they ask you if you're going to leave a tip. Are you guilted into tipping? And there's a study that came out today. Are we tipping more because we're shamed into doing it? 
at your service on Camo X. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now with the mlb app you can get baseball your way pick your favorite team your favorite players and get customized highlights stories and breaking news right on your home feed Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome back to At Your Service. I asked you earlier, what's on your mind? And that's why I like it when Ken calls in, because he's always got things on his mind. Hey, Ken, welcome back to KMOX. Oh, thanks, Brad. And the whole deal is to make things more interesting, you need to have a point. (laughs) You know, I've heard that before. (laughs) 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 I've heard that before. Yeah, I think maybe you have. Uh, Anyway, what I I wanted to talk about, this uh, defunding the police, it's the biggest non-story that has ever, well, I sound like Trump, uh, one of the biggest uh, non-stories that has ever hit politics. I heard Trudy Bush Valentine tonight saying, uh, you know, I I didn't, you know, I, I didn't vote to defund the police. And you know, they're all saying the other side did. Mm-hmm. Both both parties, both parties are. And I was trying to think how this got started. 
because I, I mean it's nothing. It is. The, I know the state police are hiring. Uh, I, I don't know about the county and city, but they probably are too. But uh, nobody. The, the the way it got started was the police would say, "Come into a domestic uh, uh, home thing," and. What they were saying is take some of that money away from the police and give it, I don't know, a psychologist or something, and let him or her handle that kind of a situation. But it has blossomed into, I, I mean, when somebody says, I hear them on one of their political ads, uh, I, you know, I never voted to defund the police. Well, no, no kidding. I, I, I know you didn't. And mm-hmm. It's and it's pretty much in every political ad, and it means nothing. Well, Ken, I I, I agree with you ninety eight percent. Okay, and and I always love to find areas of of commonality. And first of all, you and I would completely agree that the vast majority of reasonable people, whether you're right, whether you're left, whether you're independent. Hardly anyone is in favor of defunding the police. I don't know of anybody. Well, I do. And I can give you three examples of people who have advocating for it. Uh, the, the mayor in the city of St. Louis, uh, Tashara Jones, has actually okay. ran on her campaign to remove funding from the police, not just hire other individuals to respond, but to remove funding from the police because of the idea that the police are the police force is systemically racist and therefore the only way to fix that systemic racism is to reduce their funding and shift it to other priorities. Tashara okay. Jones has publicly said that. Now, has the city of St. Louis implemented those kinds of policies? No, because most reasonable people say that is baloney. Uh Cory really Bush, is. Cory Bush has actually advocated for it. And I could play yeah. you sound bites where she says the police need to be defunded. The other third example I'll give you, my daughter, my oldest daughter lives in Minneapolis. And in Minneapolis, they've actually experimented with that. And they actually reduced the funding of the police as an effort to uh, try to repair the, the appearance of systemic racism. And it was yeah. a colossal failure. So I think most people can agree and that's why I laugh at some of these ads, because there are very few uh, legitimate, reasonable people are going to be in favor of that. And the political ads that assert that are really just trying to get you to the polls. But there are oh, circumstances. Absolutely. But there are circumstances, Ken, where there are some politicians who really believe that. And it's actually scary that they do. Well, it, it is the only saving grace for me and I, I don't know if this holds any water or not, but to take some money from the police and and pay these psychologists. Now, whether or not they would help on a domestic situation, I don't even know that. Maybe maybe police are better trained for that than a psychologist. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of get the belief that maybe the two or three politicians that you mentioned are more into you know, don't do away with the police. Don't, you know, don't do that. But maybe use these other people to help the situations. Is that possible? Well, the the three examples that I gave are concrete examples where they are advocating for reducing the funding of police because of systemic racism or the belief of systemic racism, not simply right, that's, adding. That's just not going to work. Of course, that's not going to work. Not, 
you know, and that's a, that's what's amazing to me. I've seen the polling data. If you talk, and I've seen the polling data from St. Louis, uh, that African Americans in St. Louis, the last thing they want is to defund the police. Uh, Absolutely. No, no one wants to defund the police, citizens-wise. Yeah. But when yeah. you get these they, folks... They, they want a police officer on every car. Absolutely they do, them. and I don't blame them either. Uh, but there, but there are people who are actually interested in reducing funding of the police because of the belief of this systemic racism. So I question it in the in the advertising, just like I question. You, you mentioned Judy Bush Valentine. I will mention in her ad where she said, "I'm not, I'm not for defunding the police." But then she accuses uh, Eric Schmidt of wanting to sell uh, property, farmland to China, and and that's equally ridiculous. Uh, because the last thing that that Eric Schmidt wants to do is to help China. For goodness sakes, he filed a bogus lawsuit against China that no one thought had any merit, even me. And you've heard me say that that was just a political ploy. But he's not for selling farmland to China. So we we can agree that the, the political advertising has gotten to a point where, in many instances, it's simply absurd. It's just, it's it's just, I don't know, it just seems like it's one big lie. But uh Anyway, uh, Brad, always good talking to you, um, and uh, I enjoy it. I, I really do. I do, too. And uh, uh, it's a little too early for the holidays, but have uh, have a good holiday, and uh, hopefully I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you. I'll be in uh, – should be in just about every Wednesday night uh, until baseball season resumes, so uh, feel free to call in again, my friend. Well, I, I would uh, think that I would. Okay, very good, sir. Thank you. Uh, bye. One of the one of the topics that I mentioned, and of course, if you've got some ideas on that, we'd love to hear at 314-436-7900. But I, I, I talked about tipping, and I want to bring on Matt Pajeski here because uh, this latest trend, uh, we're used to you would get a, a slip of paper if you're at a restaurant or if you're at some, wherever you're buying something, goods or services, and you can leave a tip. And it's just up to you, and then you, you give it back to the to the waiter or the waitress or the person. But now with this, where they flip the screen, Matt, do you feel uh, do you feel more pressured to, to leave a tip? Hundred percent, yeah. I definitely feel more pressured. I, I try not to give in, but I I do feel the pressure for sure. Well, yeah, I, and I do too. And 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 we're not alone because a, a poll that came out just today showed that fifty four percent of Americans feel added pressure to leave a tip because of that whole flipping the screen thing. And, and really it's interesting. And I've, I've realized, yeah, I do feel a little pressure. I mean, I don't give into it. I tip uh, based upon the service I'm given. Uh, I don't, I don't usually leave a tip if there's no service involved. If it's, I'm just buying something, there's no tip for that. Uh, Even if they say leave a tip, I'm like, no, no, there's no service here. I just bought something. Uh, but but it's interesting that 54 percent of Americans feel that. And and there's this whole idea here about who gets tips and should everybody get a tip? I, I'm not sure they do. I mean, during covid, I remember going through a Taco Bell and I I got something at Taco Bell and I gave the guy five bucks at a Taco Bell. And he looked at me like, what? I said, thanks for being here. You know, I gave him five bucks. But that was during covid. Should we tip on everything? I don't know that uh, I don't know that we should be tipping for absolutely uh, everything uh, that we uh, that we buy, goods or service wise. 
Uh, but I will leave that up to you. Hey, Jonathan's been holding for a while to talk about tipping. Hey, Jonathan, welcome to KMOX. Thank you. I uh, I tip a lot. I mean, I over tip. I'm like you. Like you said, Taco Bell. I've done it at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. I do it at Chick-fil-A, even though they don't allow their people to take tips. And then I usually tell them that the company's owned by atheists. But I'm a former <laughs> minister. I do. One of the things that bothers me is, like, if I'm at a buffet or something, yep. I might want to tip. But I, and I refuse to use the screen, too, because I don't like to do anything electronically. Mm-hmm. So I said, look, I don't want to do your job. But, yeah, I do think it does. I don't think people would admit it. I think the lie. Oh, I think we- you're looking at it and you're going, oh, yeah, I guess I should leave something, shouldn't I? Right. But 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 there's this added pressure to tip in situations where previously you wouldn't have thought about tipping because maybe the circumstance doesn't warrant tipping. But now because they're putting it in your face, you feel kind of obligated to do it, don't you? I I agree, because we are the kind of people who are always worried. What everybody thinks I was driving one day and thank God nothing happened. This lady almost went off the road. I get up to a rest stop. She starts yelling at me about my driving. I said, ma'am, do I know you? She goes, no. I said, then why would you think I would care what you think my driving's like? <laughs> but we live in a society where we are so concerned what everybody thinks of us. You know, at the end of the day, does it really matter if the person next to you thinks that guy's really cheap? Yeah, it it doesn't matter. And uh, my my wife just told me today, Jonathan, that that somebody uh, got in front of her and slowed down and almost stopped on the highway. She honked, and the other driver told my wife that she was number one. If you if you know what I mean. So uh, right, but I didn't so it mean to happen. do that. I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was your <laughs> wife. I apologize. Yeah, that was my wife, Jonathan. What were you doing, man? Come on, come on, man. No, I. Uh, it's funny you say that because I usually get in a slow lane. And I usually go about 55, especially since gas prices went higher. I have a Buick. I can get the highest I've gotten is 50 miles per gallon in it. And I said, what do you do? I said, I drive slower. But I get in the slow lane, and I have people pass me all the time and tell me I'm number one. Oh, good. So you, lots of people think you're number one, Jonathan. That's, uh, that is good to know. Hey, thanks for calling in this evening. Appreciate Thank it. You. Great God to bless. talk to you. Bye-bye. Uh, Arthur wanted to call in here and talk about defunding the police. Hey, Arthur, what's on your mind? Uh, I think everybody should vote and defund the police because if you remember, Jefferson City had the police department all downtown, and they patrolled everything from the city to the county. Because they, they shooting people like ducks. You can't even go to the store. You can't walk outside on your property for somebody shooting at you. So, uh, so Arthur, I want to I make sure I understand what you're saying. You're in favor of defunding the police? Yes, defund them. They, I, they, you got some good ones and some bad ones. You need a downtown when you work at? I know a few of your coworkers. I worked downtown 38 years, and, hey, when I come out from work, cops everywhere driving downtown when I used to get off from work. So how how would no more in the city. Right, I but how up. would defunding the police make things better? Wouldn't that make things worse? Give more money and train them, and you're going to have some good cops. 
and hey, downtown where you work at, you won't have no problem no more, because they used to be everywhere when I was going from street to street. I used to walk down to the ball game, you know, with Bush Stadium, yet cops was everywhere. Now, they ain't nowhere to be found no more. You well, know that? Yeah, and and that's a problem, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why we see the increase of crime. And to me, I don't understand how further decreasing funding for police would make that situation any better. Hey, Arthur, thanks for calling in this evening on Camo okay. X. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. Hey, when we get when we come back from this break, we've got to go to a, uh, a confiscatory break here because Matt Pajeski is expensive. He's very expensive. So when we come back from this break... I want to talk to you about some new evidence that came out from this Eric Schmidt lawsuit against the White House that shows that there's actual collusion going on between the White House and tech companies to censor free speech. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? At your service on KMOX. We'll be right back. love it any time that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says anything. I, I just enjoy it. I, I think really she should have her own channel on some obscure cable channel where it's just all AOC all the time. I mean, that would be I would watch that. That would be very entertaining. And the reason I bring this up is, is that, you know, with with Musk taking over Twitter, uh, that one of the things that he ideas that he's floated out is a, a, a subscription fee in order to to be able to speak your mind and you'd pay eight bucks a month for a variety of features. So uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, former bartender, uh, now member of Congress, uh, she she tweeted out in response. She said, laughing my uh, backside off, I'll put it that way, at billionaire earnestly trying to sell people on the idea that free speech is actually an eight dollar a month subscription plan. So in response to that tweet, Elon Musk responded, quote, your feedback is appreciated. Now pay $8, which I thought was very, that was very funny. But one of the things that, that isn't funny is this idea, and it's primarily on the left, that we have to squelch free speech, that the, the key to maintaining our democracy is silencing speech. We heard it today. Now, I would be the first to admit I'll, and listen, I'm a reasonable guy, and so much of the fiery rhetoric out there today is wrong. Uh, it, it it shouldn't be spoken. But is it the government's job to police that speech? And I just don't think that it is. Uh, that's why the First Amendment is so critical, because the government that has the power to stop speech that's wrong has the power to stop speech that may not be wrong, but just disagrees with the government narrative. Let me give you a great example. Just this week, the United States Senate, a subcommittee of the United States Senate, issued a report saying that more likely than not, more likely than not, COVID originated from a leak at the Wuhan uh, Department of Virology in Wuhan, China. And yet, in the midst of the pandemic, people were being canceled from Twitter were being removed from YouTube for discussing the idea that 
the COVID-19 virus actually leaked from a lab and did not have a natural source. So there's a great example of how giving an opinion that differed from the government narrative got you stricken from social media. And it turns out that that is more likely than not exactly what happened. So that wasn't squelching uh, false speech. That wasn't squelching defamatory speech. It was squelching speech that, in fact, turned out to be more likely true than not. So that's the problem with this whole idea of censorship. Now, the first thing that folks will say is that, well, Twitter is not governed by the First Amendment. Neither is YouTube. Neither is uh, Snapchat or any other social media platform. You are exactly right. They're not governed by the First Amendment. But at what point do they become governed by the First Amendment? That's what this lawsuit by Eric Schmidt is trying to find out. And the information that came out this week reveals that there were actual meetings, that there were actual meetings between uh, members of the federal government, members of the Biden White House, and members of Facebook to enforce and to squelch speech on specific topics. Uh, and to me, that is, that, is, that is a scary premise because it does fall into uh, an Orwellian situation where if you disagree with what the government is telling you, and I don't care if it's a Trump White House or a Biden White House, to me, this is not an ideological issue. It's not an ideological issue that uh, this idea of squelching speech, because if it's Trump saying that, uh, I don't know, that the election was rigged, then that that shouldn't be squelched. Or if it's Biden saying that uh, COVID occurred naturally, and if you disagree with the government, you can't say it, regardless of the side of the aisle you're on, the, the cure for this problem is not censorship. The cure is more speech, more freedom, not less. And so as I was looking through, uh, through this, uh, through the information that was released from this litigation, here are some of the topics that were censored, that were discussed in these meetings from White House officials with members of social media, big tech. Listen to these topics. The origin of the COVID-19 pandemic. The efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines. Racial justice. The U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. And the nature of the U.S. support for Ukraine. All of that information... Those were topic points that the Biden White House was using to tell social media companies to censor that speech. And again, I don't care what side of the ideological aisle you're on. Can you, even if you're, if, if you're on the left, can you admit that the government shouldn't be instructing companies to stop you from speaking about the efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines. Well, you say, well, there's a lot of misinformation out there. We heard a lot of misinformation coming from Dr. Fauci. We were told initially that if you got the COVID vaccine, it would protect you from getting COVID. Later on, we learned that wasn't true. Now, later on, we learned that, <clears throat> that it would protect you from serious illness, protect you from hospitalization, but that's not what we were told initially. And and I'm speaking as a guy, just this week, I got my... Uh, fourth COVID shot, I think, this week. And so I'm. there is no part of me that's anti-vaccine. 
But the information we were told initially was simply turned out to be not true. And so if you discuss those issues on social media, is the vaccine truly as as uh, uh, as effective as we're being told, and then your speech is squelched, is there a problem with that if that squelching, if that censorship is being directed by the White House? What about issues regarding the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan? You want to talk about a colossal failure. That was a colossal failure, and I'm speaking again as a person who was in favor of us getting out of Afghanistan. Because it was going to be an endless war. We were going to be there forever. There was no game plan for withdrawing those troops. But announcing it and then doing it all at once created the most colossal, chaotic situation that it not only put lives at risk, but we sacrificed billions of dollars of equipment. It was done in the worst possible fashion. But if you discuss that on social media... Should the White House be instructing Twitter to block your tweets if you're discussing the withdrawal from Afghanistan? Of course not. That is antithetical to anything that we believe as Americans. And yet we're, we're seeing that championed. In fact, just today it was reported that Hillary Clinton has been in Europe advocating for the European Union to block Twitter if Twitter removes censorship of what the EU believes to be incorrect or harmful speech. Really? Why is that happening? Why is it that Hillary would be advocating for the EU to stop free speech? And she's very proud of it. I can't, I just don't understand why Hillary can't say in the marketplace of ideas, there will be crazies. There will be nuts, like the guy that attacked uh, Paul Pelosi. That guy is nuts, and he should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But then why do you try to weaponize that to try to say, this is why we need to stop the speech of conservatives in America? No, that's th- those two ideas are not connected in any way. And yet you're going to see that connection being made probably every hour if you turn on MSNBC. The uh, couple of texts coming in was um, uh, the AOC tweet response was epic. Yes, that was epic. And we've got another uh, tweet, uh, another uh, text in here that says squelching free speech is a stupid Democrat idea. Yes, yes, it is. And that's the point I'm trying to make. When you're telling these little stories, have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener, of course. And that's the point here is that squelching free speech is a bad idea. And yet here we have... Uh, Two individuals, we have the uh, former Secretary of State of the United States and former uh, nominee for president, Hillary Clinton, who is lobbying the Europeans to squelch free speech on Twitter. We also have we also have Elizabeth Warren, who announced today uh, that when she was asked about Elon Musk's pledge to restore free speech to social media, this is what she said. She said, I promise there are going to be rules to block such changes, unquote. And even former President Barack Obama said on the campaign trail this week, regulation of Twitter has to be part of the answer to disinformation. Regulation. In other words, it's up to the government to tell you what you should think and to tell you 
what you should say. Who thinks that's a good idea? I can't. I there's a lot of things in life that I that I understand completely, and I can disagree with it. But that's one of those ideas that to me is hard to grasp. That you say the way that we improve society is to control what someone says and thinks. I don't understand that. And apparently, the folks uh, texting in this evening don't either, because we're getting we're getting a uniform response on that that says it is a bad idea. Well, I'll tell you what's a good idea is a commercial break. So we're going to go to a commercial break right now. When we come back for the last segment, I'd like to hear from you on these ideas. Should we be should we be squelching free speech, or does Elon have a point here that we should not be regulating? Speech 314 436 7900 at your service, Camel X. Welcome back to At Your Service. Coming in here on the last segment, thanks for staying up late with us tonight here. We very much appreciate you listening to Camo X. Now, I want to bring on Matt Pajeski here because uh, you haven't been out of school all that long. I mean, when I went to school, there were, cell phones weren't a thing, obviously. And cell phones were a thing when you were in high school, right? Yeah. Okay. So in, from your perspective, and I've got a point for all this, of course, but from your perspective... Were cell phones a problem in high school? Not a problem. Uh, you, you would definitely see students, you know, texting in class. But I feel like back then, back then, back then we were uh, at least mature enough to police ourselves that we knew when it was time to put the phone away. And if, if you were the one texting in class, well, it's kind of on you. You're missing out on on the, the important lecture from the teacher. Some of the teachers didn't even care because they, they figured this is your loss. You're missing out. Uh, hmm. You know, I'm not going to repeat myself. So if right. you want to, on purpose, if you want to purposely not pay attention to me, then that's on you. It's on you. Well, I, the reason why I bring this up, and I want to get your opinion on this, because last week in Philadelphia, uh, the Philadelphia Board of Education approved a five million dollar contract with a company that that makes these locking phone pouches, and they're going to require that all high school uh, students lock up their phones during class time mm-hmm. from from your perspective is that a good idea or a bad idea i would say not a good idea okay why not uh, I, I just feel like if you want to treat these young adults as adults you need to trust them with their own technology you need to trust that they are able to like i said police themselves uh my mind goes to a, a, a terrible s- scenario where just a few weeks ago we had a, a, sh- a school yep. shooting what sure. if you what if you needed immediate access to your phone to contact people, and then, you, and then you're, you're fumbling with the phone pouches and things like that. I just feel like it could go wrong. Well, one of the things, yeah, and you bring up a fantastic counterpoint to the argument that if there's a school shooting, kids need their phones to reach out, to call police, to call 911, to notify loved ones, et cetera. But that is clearly in the, uh, in the, in the extreme, yeah. in the yep. minority extreme. And I mean minority in terms of occurrences. Yeah. But but since I did not personally experience cell phones in class, uh, I, I didn't have that experience. But it seems to me that that would be a colossal distraction 
if you're texting, if you're on social media, if you're making goofy faces to shoot TikTok videos in class instead of paying attention, do you think there's any merit to saying kids can't have cell phones in class because the reason you're there is to learn? I think I think so. There's definitely merit to that. The, the, the teacher should definitely set rules. You know, I don't think you should walk into class and immediately lose access to your phone instantly like that. Like, as soon as you walk into class, it's the teacher's. I don't know if that's the solution. I feel like the teacher should have a, a set of rules and maybe get a warning or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you need to put some trust into the students. Okay. Uh, I, I, I got to tell you, though, I, was, I, I thought about this when I was reading this story today. But about 20, 20 years ago, I was in a theater seeing a movie. I love to go to see movies at the, at the box office. And everybody was on their phones. And I got so angry uh, that afterwards I went out and looked on the on the internet. This was twenty years ago, and before you before there were any prohibitions against this, I found a place where I could buy a cell phone jammer <laughs> from England. Actually, actually, it was Germany. I could buy it from Germany and have it shipped over because you couldn't make them or sell them in the United States. But there was a gray area where you could actually buy them and have them shipped into this country. It's probably some old like World War Two like <laughs> artifact that they uh, that's they, they sold to you. No, it was it was about the size of a pack of cigarettes, okay. and it had a little stubby antenna on it, and it jammed the cell phone frequency range, and it had a jamming range of about five hundred feet. Wow! And I thought, you know, this would be perfect to go to see a movie, right? Because yeah. all these morons that are on their phones, I'll just flip on the jammer here and. Uh, and then, then I'm not going to be distracted. But then I thought, you know, maybe that's a bad idea. And a couple of years later, that loophole was closed. So now you can't even import those things. So uh, I got to tell you, I was tempted because I've got a, an electronics buddy friend of mine that could build these with no problem. Wow. And I thought, here, let me give you, a, let me give you a hundred bucks. Get the components. Build me a jammer. So darn it, I can watch a movie in peace. You should. You should be able to. But then I thought, you know, somebody because there's no way they could catch you. But I thought I don't want to, I don't want to break the law because it does violate federal law broadcasting on those frequencies. But it would be, it would be an interesting thing to do. Um, and then I thought, well, you could do that in school. The teacher could just put that in their desk, flip that sucker on, and then all the kids, their cell phones would be dead. Just boom, it would be dead. They couldn't be texting their buddies. They couldn't be on Snapchat. They couldn't be doing any of that. But it is a problem. And it's one of those situations where if you ban the cell phones in school, you can come up with negatives. But if you allow the cell phones in school, there are negatives with that, too. So it almost seems like there's no good choice. Yeah, I, I, I just don't see the problem with the teacher saying, all right, you've, you've used up all your warnings or whatever. The phone's mine now. I don't, I don't think it needs to apply to, to every single student. Okay, so in other words, let me, let me rephrase this and make sure I got your point because yeah. I like where you're going. Yeah, yeah. In other words, the teacher says... Uh, I don't want cell phones out, and I'll give you a couple of warnings, but if you keep breaking it, your cell phone goes in the timeout bag. Yeah, yeah. Is that a good yeah, way of doing it? If you're going to act like a kid, then you're going to get treated like a kid. If you are yep. if you can act like an adult and if I can trust you with the phone, then you'll get treated like an adult. You know, I don't want to put your phone in the timeout bin or whatever, but <laughs> if you're not going to respect the, the teacher, then, yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen. Oh, that That's an excellent perspective, Matt. Thank you very much. Uh, lots of folks... Texting in on that as well. I'm 45, and I think there should be no phones while at school. Well, uh, a lot of folks agree with you. I'm not. I'm. 
I'm probably 72.6% with you on that, but I'm not, I'm not completely there because I can see those extreme circumstances where uh, kids might need to have cell phones in school. Uh, also, good tipping is good stewardship. You know, that's a good point. I, someone just texted in because we were talking about tipping. When my family and I go out to eat, we always pray before our meal as Christians. And I, I always am cognizant of the fact that if I don't leave a good tip, uh, the, the waiter or the waitress is going to say, look at that family. They prayed before their meal, and then they stiffed me on the tip. Boy, that, that tells you what those Christians can do. So I always make sure and tip because I do think that it is good stewardship. I'll tell you what else is good stewardship. That's promoting Dave Glover uh, because he's coming up next. The best of Dave Glover uh, coming up here on Camo X. And as I mentioned, on election night, make sure that you tune in right here on Camo X. You can hear election night coverage. I'll be over on 97.1. Either way, I'll see you next Wednesday. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.